Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the S2 Podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll have been aware that our last two episodes were fairly epic in their scope. Yes. We did lots of comics in that Teen Titans episode, and for once, we did the entire Justly Just Society crossover in one go. So to let us catch our breath... And to let Peter have a bit of a life away from editing. <laughs> and in relation, I suppose, to the, the JLA-JSA crossover, we are flashing back to 1943, aren't we, Pete? We certainly are, yes. Because the villain of last week's Justice League, Justice Society episode, which at the point of recording I haven't even listened to it yet, was T.O. Morrow. Mm-hmm. Dodgy scientist, etc. From Earth One, yes. yes. So we are flashing back to issue 86 of Adventure Comics, which was published on the 23rd of April, 1943, for a story featuring the Shining Knight and another ostensibly golden age, ostensibly, I suppose, Earth 2, T.O. Morrow. Gosh, who knew there was an Earth 2 T.O. Morrow? Well, you did. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure our good friend Multiverse Historian on the Twitter was probably expecting us to say something about that, Mm -hmm. so hopefully you'll appreciate this one. Quick details about the Shining Knight. First appeared in issue 66 of Adventure Comics, quite soon after Starman took his bow. Went on sale July 1941, dated September 1941. And he appeared sporadically, well regularly and then sporadically, all the way up until issue 166. He's also a member of the team that's come to be known as the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which appeared in leading comics. Mm -hmm. And we'll be seeing them as the crow flies actually fairly soon, I suppose. We've already met the Crimson Avenger, sort of, and we'll meet the others mm-hmm. before too long. PC, do you want to remind everyone about the, the main sort of defining qualities of the, the Teal Morrow that we met last time? Yes, he was a scientist who developed this machine that enabled him to look into the future. And he stole future tech and repurposed it for his own nefarious means. So yes, and in our last episode, of course, he was travelling between Earth 1 and Earth 2 and decided to have a war between Earth 1 and Earth 2, but fortunately our heroes, with the help of his creation, the Red Tornado, managed to stop his terrible plot. Yes, with the help of Red Tornado and with the help of lots of kissing. Yes. Because I've not been able to get that panel out of my mind ever since we recorded. It was a veritable smoocherama. It was like that episode of Blake 7 that I watched the other night. So much kissing, (laughs) it was terrible. So yes, we're flashing back to Adventure Comics 86, the cover of which features the Sandman and Sandy squaring up to some overflying warplanes. It looks like they're actually in service themselves at that mm-hmm. point, which is quite scary. God, things changed once Kirby and Simon came on board. They really did. Yep. Anyway, so that's all we really need to know about the cover because Sir Justin, the Shining Knight, isn't on it. We should probably actually say a little bit about the Shining Knight before we start the story, shouldn't we? Absolutely, yes. Do you want to tell everyone then? Indeed. He's an Arthurian knight mm. called Sir Justin, who Merlin enchanted his weaponry. It's kind of like the Golden Age version of the Silver Age Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) In that he was frozen in time and brought forward to the present the same way Cap was frozen in ice. Yeah, with a lack of sort of super soldier formulas and such like. Indeed. But But Merlin knew Sir Justin's fate because when he was enchanting his armour and everything, he said, yes, and you'll find it's bulletproof as well. And Sir Justin went, bulletproof? What does that mean? He said, you'll find out. Ah. So he also enchanted his horse, Victory, and... Victory also became bulletproof, I believe, and grew wings and became yes. a literally winged victory. I mentioned the Seven Soldiers. They're also, Sir Justin is a pretty big player in the All-Star Squadron mm-hmm. when we get to it. Especially at the start, yeah. I think it was either All-Star Squadron or 
an early issue of Young All Stars where I first encountered them. There's that scene when Iron Monroe leaps out the hospital mm-hmm. window chasing the Valkyrie, whatever it is, and so yeah. Justin and Wing Victory. Mm-hmm. Beautiful artwork. Whoa, yeah. you know, rear up because he's about to collide with them. First time I saw him was in the All Star Squadron preview that was right. in Justice League of America 193. Which also featured T.O. Morrow. That's right. Funnily it's, enough. It's that whole story about the, the tornado and the, the real origin, origin which we'll get to. Are we going to do that course. story? Oh, without a doubt. Are we? Right, yes. okay. That's one I look forward to, listeners. <laughs> Check that out, dig it out, find it in the, the back issue bins or whatever. Hey everyone, Peter here with a minor correction. I was so focused on T.O. Morrow that I forgot that Sir Justin doesn't actually appear in Justice League of America number 193. It's actually the first issue of All-Star Squadron I was thinking of, which continues on that storyline. Thought I'd correct that there. Back to your regular programming. So we're just going to go straight into the story now. Our opening splash panel shows Sir Justin the Shining Knight on the back of a winged victory. There's a bunch of guys with guns running away from them. Sir Justin appears to have speared someone on the end of his lance. The guy doesn't look too unhappy about it, it must be said. (laughs) And above and sort of behind Sir Justin, there's a guy who looks very much like Dr. Savannah. Yes, uh uh-huh. From the Shazam, Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. Marvel family stories. Mm -hmm. Baldy, slightly grotesque, glasses, a white smock, stroke tunic, brown trousers. But he looks a little taller and slimmer than Savannah. He's bearing a gun and he's leaping down behind Sir Justin. And we have a caption box that says... When a man of yesterday meets a man of tomorrow, there's bound to be a great to-do today. Especially when one is the Shining Knight, Paladin of the Past, and the other mysterious visitant. At least, so he says, from a distant and dubious future. So, Age of Chivalry clashes with Age of Skullduggery, and amazes a watching world with a... Twist in time. So there's an inset panel at the bottom of this page. Nice little circular inset panel, which shows a crowd looking up at a statue. And there's a caption that says, A great city pays tribute to a great scientist. A new monument is dedicated. And there's a man making a speech. We find out shortly that this is the mayor of this great city, which is unnamed at this point. (laughs) And the mayor is in the process of saying, It is a pleasure to honour the memory of this man who built not only for his own time, but for future times. Yeah. First panel, page two. There's a caption. An eager spectator in the audience is Justin, known only to Professor Moresby as the Shining Knight. Yep, it's close up of Justin in his civvies. Blonde hair swept back. Looks very smart. He's standing at the back of the crowd. We can see the statue. We can see the mayor gesticulating. And Justin is thinking, In Arthur's day, there weren't as many people in all Camelot as here now in this square. Caption for the next panel. Suddenly, while the mayor speaks, a fantastic figure materialises out of nowhere. Yes, it's the aforementioned smock-wearing, glasses-wearing, baldy scientist-looking guy. A voice from the crowd cries, Where he come from? Someone else says, He just appeared out of thin air. Caption for the next panel. As the dumbfounded audience stares... Yes, we got a mid-shot of this scary, egg-headed scientist who declares... I bring you greetings from the year 2043. Caption for the next panel. Sensation-seeking reporters besiege the strange visitor. Yep, we see one reporter with a brown hat and a sort of pale brown jacket, and he says... What's your name? And a second reporter says... Where are you from? And a third reporter chimes in... How did you get here? And our baldy, scary scientist explains in the next panel. I am T.O. Morrow. I come from the year 2043. A time machine projected me back into your own time. One of the 
people in front of him is a bit sceptical and he yells, It can't be! He's a faker! So the mayor moves forward in the next panel. The caption for this panel says, But the mayor's action silences the sceptics. Yep, the mayor puts a hand on the shoulder of Tio Morrow and says, Welcome to the year 1943, Mr Morrow. All things are possible in science. I believe you're telling the truth. Morrow replies, Thank you, Your Honour. As a historian, I have come back to investigate many things that the records of my own time failed to mention. Interesting. Caption for the next panel. And as Justin gazes after the astounding newcomer... Yep, the mayor has to pull Morrow out of the way of a wishing-past motor vehicle. Drags him out of the way of a car. The mayor says, Look out, Mr Morrow. Ah, what? Interesting. We arrive at the top of page three. Mr Morrow says, That automobile took me by surprise. In 2043, automobiles no longer exist. Everyone rides by plane. I suppose I should have waited for the green light. And the mayor says, I hope you don't have too much trouble getting used to our ways, Mr Morrow. Everyone rides by plane. So, there you go. Going to the shops. Never yeah. know tells that it's raining. Don't it's, walk. It's fine. Take the plane. Of course. You would have flown here today. I did fly here today. Yeah. Fascinating. 2043, it's only 21 years away. I know. Imagine we got rid of the cars, that'd be great. So, <laughs> the next panel is a very moody inset shot of Justin tapping his fingers to his chin and having a think. And he's thinking, I came from the past, so maybe another chap could come from the future. But if they don't use automobiles in his time, it's odd he should know about our green light signals. It's mm, a good point, Justin. Mm -hmm. Justin moves behind the statue that was being dedicated earlier on. He continues to think. Hmm. This is cast of plaster and it's hollow. Ah, Mr. Morrow hid inside. And while the audience watched the mayor, he stepped out unseen. He's a faker and should be exposed before he does any harm. Caption for the next panel, however. But at that moment... Yeah, a bunch of goons have appeared, all with very sort of mongsy type faces and wearing <laughs> hats and not looking too happy. One at the back actually looks very much like the late lamented popular family entertainer Bruce Forsyth. Gosh, so he does, uh, yeah, yes. The, the one at the front says... Bearded wise guy. What? Says Sir Justin. And in the next panel, this goon steps forward, swinging a truncheon, and he says, You gotta learn to mind your own business, huh? But Sir Justin is ducked backwards, saying, You're a bad teacher. Punches the bad guy back in the next panel, saying, Let the pupil give you a lesson. Oh! The great sock sound effect as the bad guy's hat goes flying as he glides with his pal and stars go flying. The caption for the next panel. But superior numbers tell. Yeah, one of the other bad guys steps forward and he cautions Justin on the back with a bump sound effect. And the bad guy says, This'll knock him as stiff as that statue. One of the other guys says, Come on, we gotta work fast. Gosh, so we arrive at the top of page four already. And the caption for the first panel says, Seconds later... Justin's down on the ground rubbing his head. A policeman stands over and the policeman says, What's the matter, buddy? Did you trip? That statue... It isn't stone, it's hollow. The policeman in the next panel is examining the base of the statue and he says, Says you, this is solid, it weighs plenty. Justin thinks, Hmm, those thugs replaced the plaster statue with the genuine one. Now it won't be so easy to prove that Mr Morrow's a fraud. Time to make a change, I think. And so, at the museum, assistant curator Justin becomes Sir Justin, the Shining Knight. Yep, Justin has removed his blue-grey suit. He's putting on his now familiar armour. And in the background we see <laughs> Wing Victory. He's having his lunch before they get started. Tucking into a bucket that's handily labelled oats. As he's getting changed, Justin says, Now shall I learn what evil scheme this Mr Morrow has in mind and unmask him. Next panel, Wing Victory is flying into action. I like this sort of city detail here. It was a 
sort of sign showing that he's flying over a hotel. Mm-hmm. Lots of windows lit up. There's a flying along. Justin is saying, In yon hostel he dwelleth as the city's guest. Down victory. Something stirs upon its roof. And then sure, we can see there's a little bit of a commotion. It's not very clear. There's a few lines indicating something happening on the top of this hotel. The next panel, we see a bunch of goons and Tio Moro. The first goon is saying, We put the real statue back, boss. But about that radium at the Inventors Congress, what's the good of stealing it? There ain't no fences to buy it. Follow orders, you fools. I know how to get a good price for it. The Shining Knight and Wing Victory have obviously landed because we can see the knight lurking in the background. We see his thoughts. Methinks I shall attend that congress and display some inventions of mine own. Okay, a slow dissolve. Caption for the next panel. Next day in the lecture hall of a great university. Yeah, it's packed. We see hundreds of people. It's a big sort of square open space. Morrow is standing on a platform. There's a big bit of equipment in front of him. It looks, you know, help me out with describing it, Pizzi. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's, it's a tall structure with cylindrical columns around it and a, a dome at the top. Yes, that works. It almost looks like a giant set of, you know when you have dynamite all stuck together? It almost looks like a giant one of those, except differently coloured. Interesting. I hope <laughs> it's not dynamite. That'd be quite that'd be quite scary. I hope we've not spoiled the story. So, Morrow's standing next to this big concoction, I suppose, and he's saying, Gentlemen, to convince you I come from the future, I am going to display some of the science of the year 2043. And we move in closer to him for the final panel of page four. God, he's ugly, isn't he? <laughs> Very he's misshapen head. Yes. He's like an egg-headed, baldy Michael Gove. There's, um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reference for all our yes. overseas listeners. Spring into Google action for that one, folks. Um, yes. I'm not going to post a picture of Michael Gove on the socials. Um, <laughs> coming soon to the Earth yes, 2 podcast. Coming, I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Gove, and I listen to the Earth 2 podcast. No, uh, we don't want to lose no, listeners. We don't, we don't no. want to. We don't, and anyway... So we have a closer shot in the final panel, page four, of Morrow at his equipment, and he's saying to the crowd, I intend to create the precious element radium out of worthless elements. And then he thinks, I hope the boys get here soon with the stuff. So to page five now, caption for the first panel. Meanwhile, in a huge building where the Congress of Inventors is meeting... Yes, we see one inventor with a red bow tie, he's wearing a sort of orange suit. He's bearing what looks like a gun. There's a chap who looks very much like the mayor standing behind him. Glasses and a moustache. The inventor chap also has a moustache, neat glasses, slick back dark hair. And he's in the process of saying, This is a paralysis gun, and one of its rays will temporarily prevent a man from moving. We also see in this panel that some of Morrow's goons are there, and they're watching what's going on. One of them says, The boss could use that. Ooh, he's a bit scary, isn't he, listeners? Panel 2 shows the inventor and his pals observing another bit of work going on. We can see a chair floating in the air. It looks like it's been struck by some of Dr. Fate's magic lightning bolts. <laughs> the inventor man is saying, This is an anti-gravity device. It can make an object weigh practically nothing. One of the bruisers is thinking, Nice trick, but we better get down to business. In the next panel, with a bop, he strikes the, our friendly inventor on the back of the head, saying, This is an old invention for putting guys to sleep. It wakes perfect. <laughs> yes, there's the bop. Stars go flying. The inventor proclaims, Ah! We can see behind him. There's a bit of equipment that's labelled New Radium Surgery Invention. Mm. I wonder if that's going to be relevant. Interesting. So, caption for the next panel. Suddenly, from a place of concealment in an upper gallery... Yep, the shining night and wing victory zoomed downwards. Justin saying, Faster victory! Had I known the intended violence, I would have interfered sooner. The next panel, we see Sir Justin punching one of the goons who falls backwards into a machine that is labelled Training Camp Invention for Prize Fighters. 
and basically has a lot of boxing gloves on springs <laughs> that have come very high out. tech. Yes, come flying out and struck this hapless goon who declares, "No fair, three against one." Ow! It's thrice fair to one as far as thee. And in the next panel, Justin strikes another goon on the top of the head with his sword with a wham sound effect and a scream of eee! The goon falls backwards into a machine that is labelled Invention for Increasing Height. And Justin quips, Fred not Vartlett, your machine will stretch while I have shortened. So that's quite, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. So he's obviously sort of uh, crunched up as he's been, that's very funny. And the final panel, page five, we see another bit of equipment. <laughs> um, I think this is the same goon. Actually, <laughs> in these three like panels, yeah. to be honest, that's just getting <laughs> flung around. The final panel shows a machine that's labelled Mechanical Massage Makes You Feel 1000% Improved. And Justin has lifted this guy up on his lance, it looks like, and he's holding him above this machine and the guy cries, Hey, let me down! Thou art in need of some improvement, knave! So I wonder if he's threatening to drop him into the Mechanical Massage Machine. He does! First panel of page six. <laughs> We can see bump, thump, and wham as the guy's getting a massage, whether he likes it or not. The knight says, And this machine should jounce the evil out of thee. Yow! That's a shame. The poor bad guy, but he probably deserves it. So that's one of the bad guys dealt with. The caption for the next panel says, But as the knight pursues the remaining thugs. Yep, Justin walks past another device that's labelled New Design Transformer. And we don't mean Megatron when he turned into a tank. And what happens is that Justin's lance bumps against this. There's a discharge of energy, and he cries... Ah! Oh. Caption for the next panel. And so, shortly afterward... And we're back with Morrow, doing his display in front of the crowd, and he thinks... Ah, the boys have the radium. In the background of the panel, we see one of the, when the goons arriving. Morrow says out loud... One moment, gentlemen, while I consult with an assistant. Caption for the next panel then says... In the seclusion of a small room... Three goons standing in front of Morrow. The first one says... Here's the radium, boss. We had to fight the Shining Knight to get it. And here are two more things we figured you could use, boss. And obviously they've got some of the inventions that the inventor chap was showing off. Morrow says, Good. Now I must get back. So next panel, sure enough, he's back at the equipment and he's saying, It is time to see the results of the experiment. I shall open the machine. What I like at this panel is we can see the goons sort of standing, arms folded, dead casual, <laughs> in the background watching. Yeah. One of the goons is thinking, The boss is sure clever. If people think he made that stuff, he won't need no fence to sell it. The next panel then shows, God, he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a shot of him holding two test tubes. We might this, stick this panel on the socials, mm -hmm. kids, so you know what we're talking about. And as he holds these two test tubes, Morrow is saying, Here you see two vials of radium created artificially by the science of the future. Yes, I think it's supposed to look as though he's just taken them out of the machinery. The caption name for the final panel of page six. Meanwhile, a day Sir Justin has slowly thrown off the effects of man-made lightning. Yep, presumably back at the Inventors Expo when we see that Justin sat on the floor rubbing his head. I almost said <laughs> sat on the floor rubbing his helmet. <laughs> well, <laughs> technically not, that's true. We're not that kind of podcast. Surrounded by onlookers, concerned onlookers at that, and one man says, uh, Are you all right, Knight? I have suffered no ill effects, says Justin. Then he thinks, the villains must have returned to their master who speaks at the university. I shall catch him with the plunder. Quite a narrative jump then now as we arrive at the top of page seven, the caption for the first panel. And as the fraudulent Mr. Morrow receives the plaudits of his duped audience, the shiny knight makes his entrance, bearing his sword, and he says, Hola, scoundrels! Now shall I mete out justice! One of the baddies cries, The knight! Again! Yep, and this bad guy pulls out a gun, on Sir Justin. Sir Justin swings forward his blade in the next panel saying, 
Dost thou not know, rogue? Bullets avail not against my armour. And with the sword, he cuts the barrel off the gun. The bad guy cries, But I was going to fire at your face. <laughs> That's excellent. The caption for the next panel. But the wily Teo Morrow enters the fray. As he moves forward, the evil scientist thinks, This new anti-gravity device works. All these people will be more sure than ever that I brought inventions from the future. Yeah, we switched on our friendly professor's anti-gravity gun. We see the radiating wave striking the shiny knight, who starts to lift into the air, proclaiming, Huh? What? And then we see in panel four that Morrow's now using one of the other gizmos that the inventor was demonstrating earlier in the story. He's blasting that at Justin now, and he's thinking, I'm paralysing the knight with this ray. And Justin thinks, I can neither move nor talk. If only I could explain. Caption for the next panel. As the knight hangs helpless in mid-air. The mayor steps forward. We haven't seen him for a few pages. And he says, Stop, Mr. Morrow. That's the Shining Knight. He never fights against honest men. Only criminals. Morrow exclaims, What? I didn't know. I am sorry the criminals have escaped. It is my fault. Justin hovering above Morrow in this panel. He doesn't look too convinced and he thinks, He is a slippery knave. But when it is learned the radium is stolen, he will be exposed. We're now into panel 7 of page 7. Justin's back down on the ground. Morrow is saying, There, the knight is at liberty again, and, to make amends for my mistake, I give this radium to the city's hospitals free. And a very happy person in the crowd cheers, Hooray for Mr. Morrow! <laughs> Justin, it looks actually as though he might have just landed in the ground very violently, yes. and trying to get up, is thinking, now, if I say the radium and the invention are stolen, none will believe me. I must bide my time. Well, caption for the next panel, slow dissolve. Next day, the false man of the future confers with his henchmen. Few goons standing before the hideous Morrow. First one, guy in a white hat. He's obviously not a goodie, though. He's saying, Boss, with the night on to us, we can't pull any more jobs. And those inventors are complaining you stole their stuff. Morrow replies, Never mind that. I'll be pulling a vanishing act soon, and we'll make a neat profit from it. Another slow dissolve. Caption for the next panel. And that afternoon... And it's a shot of the shiny knight reading a newspaper. And he's looking at the globe, but the headline says, Teal Morrow ends studies here. Plans to construct time machine and return to the future. And the rest of the headline says how one of the inventors claims that Morrow stole his gun and has been jailed. Okay. Gosh. Uh, that's a bit rich. As he reads the paper, Justin is saying, more villainy is afoot. I must examine this time machine. So, another slow dissolve. Caption says, A few days later, Justin pays a surreptitious visit to the newly constructed contraption. See Justin amongst the towering cylinders and cables of this device, and he's saying, As I thought, a cleverly hidden trapdoor leads below so that Mr. Morrow can disappear and pretend he returned to 2043. Hmm. So, we now arrive at panel 11 <laughs> of page 7. I hope you're following this, listeners. Yep. I'm just about following it. And the caption for the first panel at the bottom tier of panel says, The following day, impressive ceremonies honour the approaching departure of Mr. Morrow. I like this idea that he's made such a splash that he hangs around for a few days and doesn't hurry his crimes and yeah. probably goes for meals with important people. and The mayor just takes him everywhere. Yeah. It's fine, yeah. Uh -huh. He's probably going for lunch with the mayor's wife without the mayor realising. Possibly. Catch my drift. Anyway, Possibly. we can see men wearing suits and one of the cigars sat around a table. There's obviously some big dinner being held in his honour. And there's a very sportly looking chap, only a shiny, fancy thing in front of him. And he's saying tomorrow, The bankers of today present this diamond-studded gold plaque to the bankers of the future. Morrow says, 
I'll hand it over to them. Many thanks. <laughs> Just as I figured. It must be worth ten grand. <laughs> and he gave it to me. Ten grand. He's so classy. He is. He's a yes. classy evil scientist. Mm. And then uh, a slightly narrower, neater, and bespectacled, mustachioed figure in the next panel. He steps forward. He's got a very shiny box in his hand. And he's saying, Here's a platinum time capsule with records of our civilization, including autographs of famous men. From it, the future will learn how we lived. And a very happy-looking moral. It looks so he's rubbing his hands in glee here, actually. And he thinks in an ugly way, Platinum! Another ten grand! <laughs> My departure is very profitable. <laughs> Tremendous. Now, the caption for the final panel of page seven says, Professor MacReady adds a gift from the museum. Yep, and a couple of presumably museum guards walk in bearing what looks like a large metal coffin. Chap standing behind it says, This contains a valuable relic from the past. The only one of its kind. Morrow, rubbing his hands again in the corner, is thinking. It may be worth more than everything else put together, and I didn't even expect it. Gosh. So, we arrive on page eight, final page of the story. Caption for the first panel says, As the ceremonies draw to a close. Yep, we see Morrow wearing, he's changed his gear, he's wearing an all-white suit. That must be what he needs to travel in time. Of course. Yeah. And as he steps into the equipment, he says, Goodbye to 1943. And a voice from the crowd, obviously bereft and very sad that he's leaving, says, Come back and visit us again sometime. Caption then for panel two. The wine of mysterious motors, and then below... Yeah, we see Morrow bearing all the shiny sparkly gifts he was given, walking in on his goons who are attacking the big shiny silvery coffin that we saw. Morrow was saying, They believe I'm in 2043. No one will think of looking for me. And one of the goons is handling the big box says, Now we can divvy up the swag, only it ain't swag because they gave it to you. Let's see what's in this box. Caption for the next panel. Greedy hands lift the lid to find... Goodness me, this is a surprise. Bursting from the box, it's only the Shining Knight. <gasps> Gasp. Gasp. Is that a surprise to you? Uh, yes. Really? I yes. don't believe you. <laughs> As he emerges, Sir Justin says... Methinks, Teal Morrow, thou didst not expect such a gift today. That guy again, cries one of the goons. And then Morrow, who looks here very much like the hood from Thunderbirds, <laughs> says, Quick! The paralysis ray! But the bad guys are too slow for the shiny knight. Justin grabs the gun with a bop, strikes one of the bad guys in the face. Stars fly as Justin says, I need no ray to paralyse thee, miscreant. Yeah! And the next panel, he's grabbed one of the other bits of equipment, knocks over another bad guy with a paf sound effect, and Justin says, No invention to reduce gravity can make light of thy crimes. Again, more stars flying <laughs> as the violence occurs. Mm -hmm. And in the next panel, Sir Justin grabs Teo Morrow and sends him flying into the crowd of goons with a wham. Again, stars flies. Sir Justin says, Mayhap I am a relic of the past, but soon will thou be only a relic for tomorrow. Ah! <laughs> Amazing. And so we arrive at the final panel of the story. The caption says, Minutes later. Yeah, we see that the police have arrived. It's clear that Morrow and his goons are being put in handcuffs. One policeman on the right looks very, very happy. And another policeman, standing close to Sir Justin, says, Mr. Morrow still in 1943? And with these thugs, he must be a faker after all. And the Shining Knight says, Yes. I had Professor Mosby give him a present too big for him to handle, but soon will he leave us after all, for a future in a prison cell. And we don't have a caption, but we may as well say... The, the end. end. Or we could say what it says in the bottom here. A handy caption box, yes, that says... 
by war bonds and stamps. And rather amazingly, the rest of this page is taken up with a house ad for issue 17 of All Star Comics, mm-hmm. which features the original brainwave. And you can see Starman and Doctor Fate and Wonder Woman and Hawkman and the Atom. all legging yeah. it there from the big spiky foot. Tremendous. Well, that was, that was so much fun. That was the end of Morrow. Yeah, it was great. I liked Sir Justin. He's very clever. Yes. He had a plan. He yes. obviously kind of mm-hmm. thought a couple of steps ahead and mm-hmm. appeal, you know, let's do something that appeals to his vanity. He won't think to check this box until, you know, yeah. he thinks he's got away. That was that was very clever. Yep. Shame we didn't get more winged victory action, but hey, that's fine. I know. The pacing of the story was very interesting because basically it was almost as if they had been drawing the story then realised they only t- a page and a half to tell the <laughs> yes. rest because there was so much packed into that last page yes, and a half I mean, perhaps they thought they had a full eight pages and not seven and a half pages yeah I mean 13 <laughs> panels in one page and then then the final page as you say has seven mm-hmm. crammed in yeah into um, a half page you know, seven panels basically most of the earlier pages but then they, they yeah. cram oh you're right yeah, I think you're right actually they want a house ad for all star so we'd better cram it down yeah yep I like the idea of, of Morrow just being a trickster, not an actual time-travelling yes, scientist. Yes, it's a very golden age conceit, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose yeah. maybe mm-hmm. the Silver Age version that actually was a time-travelling scientist was probably created with this other guy in mind to an extent. Might I mean, have been. I think, you know, just because just there is the, that similarity. One yeah. guy pretending, one guy actually doing it. So mm-hmm. they thought, wait a minute, we could use this conceit but actually do it this time. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Could be. So this story was written by Joseph Manchin and the artist was Louis Cazeneuve, I believe that is. It's not names I recognise. It's not names we recognise at all, no. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really fun story. I liked the bad guy getting beaten up by all the different mm-hmm. types of equipment. It was, that was that was quite amusing. I do like the idea of him out and about, as alluded to during the story, being wined and dined by the mayor. You know? as a, yeah, like a celeb. It is, he's literally there for a few days, you know, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. He probably got a few more newspaper front mm-hmm. covers and maybe made it onto the newsreel or something. <laughs> I hope that other inventor guy got out of prison after the oh, know, I'm sure he was did. exposed. You know, we didn't, yeah, we didn't swift justice, by the way. No. That's, you know, literally, no. no, you're telling lies, boom, in jail. No mess, I hope, to coin a phrase. This, this guy's from the future, he knows you're telling lies, so that's yeah. fine, you're jailed. Yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. It's funny how everyone just automatically assumes that Tio Morrow is correct. Uh-huh. Uh, and love this idea. I suppose they're probably just dazzled by his charm and good looks. Yeah. If you were from 2043, I don't think you would pick 1943 as your destination, considering there's a bit of a war going on at that time. Probably not the best era to go back to for that sort of thing. You know? That's a fair point, actually. <laughs> yep, that's a fair point. Would you have maybe thought about coming from further afield, or maybe you wanted to take advantage of the turmoil, I suppose? Could it, yeah. Maybe people would have been more trusting. I wonder if anyone asked them if America won the war. Yeah, good point, huh? Interesting. Perhaps I should have done it with a German accent. <laughs> yeah. That would have been interesting if you know people had asked him about the outcome of the war, definitely. I cannot tell you. I don't know. <laughs> I cannot no, interfere with the, with the I, course of the future. It's an interesting parallel, I suppose, that you know, it's a shame that he wasn't really from the future because the idea mm. of Justin coming from the past into the present yeah. and then you know that's even though Justin doesn't really time travel, he was suspended, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like yeah. two men out of time, it's quite it's quite an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, it's a natural kind of enemy for him. Shame it's his only appearance. It is yes. You know, it's probably worth mentioning, as I say, just to kind of give a bit of context to last week's baddie. Mm-hmm. There will be some bonus content going up on social media for this, so stay tuned, check all that yes. out. Yes, I've no idea at this time what it'll be, but I mean, we should talk a little bit more about The Shining Light, because it's a little while before we see him regularly in the podcast. The character of Sir Justin obviously appeared in the Stargirl TV series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously inspired by his appearances in the excellent Tunnel of the Century series, Stars and Stripe. 
I chose to perform him with a slightly different accent than he had on telly. <laughs> and there's also another Shining Knight created as part of Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory That's correct, project. Yes. I might mm-hmm. put the covers for that up actually, because mm-hmm. I don't have much else <laughs> for the Shining Knight. We'll see what we can find. I've got find. a few bonus things. It's okay. Well, that's all right then. Good. There we go. Good. That's that helps. Almost too much content to put up for the Teen Titans other week, so it'll be, it'll be good to have a week of not too much. Indeed. And if you want to check out our content on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth Two Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth2. And you can find this and all of our other episodes on our website. That's theearth2podcast.com. And it's the number two for all our social media. It certainly is. You can also find us on YouTube now, as Caitlin Higgins has asked us to point out. And Mm, if you're feeling generous, you can go to our coffee page and buy us a, a beverage. Or if you're feeling even more generous, you go to wherever it is you source your podcasts and rate and review us kindly if you so could. I'm told that such things benefit our visibility and might help us get some more listeners. So that would be nice if you could do that. That would be amazing. And on that bombshell, verily we see unto thee. (laughs) Do we? (laughs) Yes. I've been Peter. And I've been David, verily. And verily, (laughs) we will see you soon again on... The, the Earth, Earth 2, 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. This is the greatest number of panels in a single page that I've had so far, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Um, wow. <laughs>